Farmgate milk prices reached record levels in 2022, but now coming to the end of the year, we've had the first announcements of price drops for January 2023. I'm Farmers Guardian Head of Business Alex Black, and on this week's Over the Farmgate podcast, I'll be taking a look at the milk markets and what might happen going into the new year. Don't forget we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed on your favourite platform. Later on, I'll be talking with NFU Dairy Board Chairman Michael Oakes about the impact on farmers. But first of all, I'm here with Chris Walkland, Dairy Analyst, to talk about what's going on. So Chris, we're getting to the end of the year now, so we're getting a bit reflective probably. But uh, do you want to take us through the events of the last couple of months and, and how we've got where we are with Farmgate prices today? Well, the last few months has been extraordinary, really. The level of milk price increases have been pretty extraordinary. I mean, if I look at my chart, I track 26 processors on a regular basis. So they're the ones that would publish their prices. And of those 26, 24 of them increased in April, 25 increased again in May, 22 increased in June, and 25 increased in July. Um, Then it tailed off in August. We've got 16 increases in August and another 16 increases in September. But since then, it really has tailed off and October only saw 10 price increases. November saw seven and December only one from credit and dairy. So that's the pattern of milk price increases over the last few months. And if I go back to April, I think that the non-aligned weighted price that I calculate and that takes into account milk volume so that there's more for, say, Arla than there is for, say, white farms or crediton the price has gone the the weighted non-aligned has gone from 37.8 pence in april to 49.1 for december so a pretty spectacular increase really that's you know 12 pence Uh, and obviously with the price cuts that we've got coming through in january that's dipped down a bit So I've seen nothing like it in my time, and I expect a lot of other people haven't either. Yeah, and like you say, we've got the first of those price cuts now coming coming through to us for for January. Um, I know we had Freshways uh, last week um, talking about they're they're dropping their price by three pence per litre for for January to 47 pence a litre. It'll take their standard litre to. Um, What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm assuming that Medina come down 3p as well, since they're the same business. I think that's inevitable. Uh, I thought it inevitable for a while because they were so far ahead of their rivals. Um, 2p ahead of Muller um, and 2p ahead of other liquid processors. So it was inevitable that they were going to come down pretty heftily, I think. And if you look at the cream price, it used to be 280s on average. It did briefly hit three pound a kilo uh, for a few days, 
but now it's down to 215 to 220 and you can't take that amount out of you know the income of a liquid processor without it being reflected in farm gate prices but even so 47p for january i think still a pretty good price and if the others can you know hold some of them have i haven't heard from all of them but if the others can hold for january then that's a better result than i was expecting perhaps a month ago yeah i know we've got muller's um confirmation that they're holding their price in january uh, one of the other things that was said from Freshways in their letter to producers was that they were hoping to hold it at 47 pence per litre for the first quarter. Uh, they didn't make any kind of solid commitment to that. I mean, what do you think of that? Well, I can understand why they can't commit, because if they committed to 47 pence in the first quarter and then their rivals cut 2p in uh, for February now, then they're back to that differential. Now... If milk volumes are tight, you can hold a differential. You can make an argument to customers that you can hold it. If milk volumes are high, you can't because you get your markets undercut. And that's what would happen, particularly uh, in the middle ground. That's what would happen. And that's why they can't. Um, that's one of the reasons why they can't make that commitment and the other reason is what the heck's cream going to be over christmas you know i hear traders selling cream or have done deals for cream at two pound a kilo over christmas january is never a good time for cream because most people go on diets after christmas so you know is it is it going to be 180 is it going to be 220 again what's going to happen and you know it's it's December now, so we're now talking potentially assessing a price for February and March, three months away in what is very volatile times. Yeah, and I know we were talking, I think about a month ago now, I think it was not the m latest Arla um, price announcement, the one before, and you were talking about a, a bloodbath, I think you put it, in the spot markets. Do you want to take us through a little bit about what's been happening in the spot markets since then? Yeah, because I think I think there's a big differential between what the spot prices I talk about and what may well happen on the UK market. Now, the spot prices are the trader prices for butter, skim powder and cheese, and they have come down really uh, markedly, massively so. Um, whereas butter was 7,000 euros, for instance, it's now at 5,400 euros for quarter one. So that's the sort of money that's come out of it. Uh, whereas the combination of butter and skim were producing a milk price equivalent of around 48 to 50p, they're now producing a milk price of 33 to 34p. Now that's on the spot market. Now in the past, uh, when liquid, when the liquid price, the retail price was one sixteen for four pints or one fifteen for four pints, then the liquid processes were very reliant on the cream price, which is linked to the commodity price for butter for their income, and thus 
to the mill price that they could pay. But things are different now. Things are different because the retail price has gone up to 165 for four pints. What we don't know is how much of the retail price for milk determined between the retailer and the processor is on commodity trackers or whether the processors can hold the line and get a decent income on the liquid proportion of the uh, of the milk rather than just the cream price that's new that's what we don't know so will we will we um, uh, not necessarily break the link between commodities and uh, the, the farm gate milk price will we uh, get more of a gap yeah i suppose that that retail price presuming you know it doesn't come back down that changes the dynamics of the of the market well it could change the dynamics of the market depending on depending to what degree those prices are on trackers Cheese prices, they're also coming down. Uh, curd is linked to Edam and Gouda and curd. Those prices are falling uh, markedly, and that is pulling down cheddar prices. Also twinned with the fact that there's less cheddar being eaten consumers aren't eating as much they're not eating as many brands and well there's discounting going on a lot of discounting going on from what i can gather so where that ends up is another question but i'm hoping that the cheese market will remain um, a lot more robust than butter and skim and also lend support to Farmgate prices. And I know we had a letter in FG, and you'll excuse me for asking this one, but um, you know, people accusing you of, of talking the milk price down. What, what do you say to people when they say things like that? Oh, well, you know, if they, if they think that I and others are capable of talking the milk price down, then why on earth didn't they ring us up a year ago to try and talk the feed, fertiliser and fuel prices down? If we're that wonderful, you know, what a missed opportunity, hey? No, definitely. I mean, being seriously, it's absolute cobblers. Because the traders get offered prices by the manufacturers and they bid prices to the manufacturers. So when milk is tight, the, the sellers, the processors, have, have the upper hand. When milk volumes are, as they are, insanely high, the processors have to get rid of the milk, and that's when the prices drop. Commentators like me or Potter or others simply cannot, cannot influence the market. We report on the market but we can't influence it. And, you know, if you're speaking to uh, dairy farmers now going into into the new year who are sort of looking looking ahead at what might be coming in, in 2023, I mean, what would you say to them about, you know, what they should be thinking about, what they should be expecting over the next few months? Price-wise, uh, well, you'll have to ask me that tomorrow after the GDT. 
because that's a major driver of sentiment on the global market. And if that's down again, then my answer now could be significantly different to if it was up. At the moment, there are processes out there who believe prices will start with a three in the new year. That's what they said, say, a month ago. So that's now going to be February as opposed to, or February, March, as opposed to January. If you take butter and skim, yeah, convert that right away. Yeah, you would get a price starting with a three. I'm a bit more optimistic than that. I think uh, prices will start with a four for quarter one because of the retail liquid milk price income because I think cheese will remain more robust and because I think that prices are pretty stable for January and there are going to be some pretty hefty drops to get to a price below 40. So I'm kind of holding out at the moment for 42, 43p by the flush but I have to say that I made those predictions probably a month ago now. And there's less chance of achieving that than uh, now than there was when I made it. They are under pressure. And just to say to anybody that's listening, we're, we're, talk, we're recording this on, on Monday before the GDT, as Chris said, but we'll be... Um... Later in the later in the show, we'll be having a little piece from Chris post GDT auction to to see his opinion then. So, Chris, what do you think will end up happening if that price does go below forty pence a litre? Well, I think milk volumes will dry up pretty quickly. I think, given the cull price at the moment, I don't follow the cull price, but I gather it's quite high, and. If the milk price drops off to that degree, then a lot of cows will go to to meet their maker. I also think that there will be significant unrest across Europe because farm costs are not 40p. Farm costs, I'm led to believe, are higher than 40p. And if there's going to be... Uh, some left over for investment on top of the costs, then you can't pay a 40p milk price. You have to pay a milk price in the mid to high 40p's until those costs start to come down. And I know that some costs are easing, but they're not easing in the same way that commodities are crashing. So I think milk volumes will drop off markedly then the circle will turn again and prices will rise and there will be a lot of disquiet across Europe. Yeah, I suppose what dairy farmers always say that they want is, is stability. Yeah, but it's very difficult when you have volume surges like we've had. You know, nobody expected the volumes to increase as they have done all over Europe. I mean, Ireland's just come out with its figures. They're 7.5% up this year on last year you know germany's up france is up ireland's up the uk's up poland's up italy's up everybody's producing a lot more milk inevitably because of the uh, prices that they're getting can they turn the milk supply off as quick as they've turned it on 
Well, I can't answer that question, but I think with the coal price being what it is, there's a pretty good chance. Thanks to Chris. Now, we've spoken a little bit there about the impact on farmers and our milk supplies going forward, but we'll take a bit of a deeper look into the impact on farmers now. I've been speaking with NFU Dairy Board Chairman and Arla Supplier, Michael Oakes. So, obviously, we, we have some January prices with some of the price drops announced now, Michael. Uh, tell me about uh, what your farmers are thinking and what's um, what's going on on farm. I'm, I'm getting messages every day about what where's the market going to do. And, if you know, if I knew that, I probably wouldn't be milking cows. I'd be a commodity trader, wouldn't I? But, um, you know, we can see some pretty... Um, unsettling trends in, in, in the commodity markets. I think, you know, I just had a, had a message not long ago. GDT has gone up, I think, by 0.6, which isn't a great increase, but at least it's not negative. And, and last uh, two weeks ago, it was also positive. So it's not, you know, potentially, that, that, that you know, as bad as some make out. I mean, there are some industry commentators out there that have mentioned the price in the new year beginning with a three. Well, actually, you know, a lot of farmers will decide enough is enough if that's the case. And I also, in the conversations we've been having with the processors, have made it very clear that actually confidence is quite fragile. We've only really just had a, a month or so uh, for most of us where the, the, there was a margin in dairy production. You know, it, there was quite a lag between our in, input costs uh, going through the roof and our sort of returns actually sort of matching um, or, or leaving us with, with, with something to play with. So, you know, our, you know, dairy farmers aren't flush. They're, they're, they're not sort of sitting there with, with a, you know, a large deep pockets full of money to get through another downturn. And that's creating a lot of nervousness. You know, some farmers have had a pretty good summer. If they uh, manage to buy their inputs early and they, they manage to buy the fertilizer early, um, you know, they've seen high returns uh, and, and normal costs, but at some point they will catch up. Next year's fertilizer is going to be at the, the market price and and feed prices, you know, contracts finish at some point. So we've got, you know, farmers and members that, that are, you know, some had a really good year, others have had a very, very tough year, depending where they've been in that cycle. And we've all got at some point to renew our energy contracts as well, which, uh, certainly does make a big hole in anybody's budget. So, yeah, that uncertainty in the commodity market is unsettling people. Um, the one thing that we're, we're, we're sort of really making very clear to processors is that, you know, that their concern about milk volumes last summer could end up being very real again this summer if there is any kind of sort of crash in, in the market. You know, we all know markets go up and down, but potentially when your costs are in the high 40s for, for the vast majority of, of dairy farmers, you know, if you've got a milk price that starts with a three, even a high th three, it's uh, pretty pretty damn difficult to get through after what we've just been through for the last uh, 12 months at least. So what do you want to see from processors? What do they need to do to reassure your farmers and, and yourself? And I think we've seen a little bit of it already that, you know, in the past, I think if they were confident on volumes, they would be, you know, going forward, they'd have dropped already. Uh, some, the fact that first milk have held for January uh, is quite positive. All have held for December and will be announced in January relatively soon, I guess. 
um, you know, it's that, that that sort of messaging to farmers. I mean, the one thing I would say which isn't helping any of us is is the volumes, but some of those record uh, deliveries over the last few weeks have started to ease back quite quickly. So, you know, some of the commodities are trading on sentiment often and, and what, what traders believe will be available. Well, if volumes do come back quite quickly and a lot of us don't have a lot of forage for the winter and, you know, may not have deep enough pockets to perhaps buy a lot of forage and may, you know, milk less cows or do whatever we need to do to get through the winter, that can soon change some of that sentiment. So, you know, I think, I think as an NFU, we need to keep up that dialogue with the processors and just really, you know, push through the point that, you know, confidence is fragile and, and farmers, you know, um, have responded to, to uh, you know, they've stayed in business because, you know, dairy prices have risen. And we've never seen before processors go out to the market in the way that they did um, last year in order to gain more money to, to, to raise the milk price in order to make sure that they've got volumes, uh, that they could supply their customers. And at times, you know, I know there were processors ringing up each other desperate. Have you got some spare milk or have you got some spare milk? So, you know, that worked in our favour. And it was also the case throughout Europe and, and uh, Australia and New Zealand as well that, you know, they weren't flush with milk as well. And those farmers are coming under pressure. So I, I think, yeah, there is uncertainty. Um, I think within the UK, we need to work with the processors to make sure they get what they need and, and they need to work with us to make sure they do get what they need. And, and any real, you know, significant milk price drop will have an effect on volumes next year. Um, there's a lot of people sitting there that have only just, like I said earlier, started to get a bit of a margin and, and some hope that they can get through this. And then if the market collapses, um, you know, many will say, I think is enough is enough. And it, maybe seems a little odd when we're talking about um, prospects of snow, but going back to that hot summer uh, just a couple of months ago, I mean, you mentioned a little bit there, but what's the legacy of that hot summer going into the winter time? Oh, it, it, yeah, if you come up into your part of the world, so if you get into sort of North Lancashire and Cumbria and Scotland, you probably have the best grass growing season they've ever had. Um, and, and many farms I've been to up there will, will say that when, when normally they've had a very wet wet. Uh, summer and they're complaining but this 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 summer worked for them but anyway go across to yorkshire go down further south into the southeast southwest west midlands east midlands we've had a really challenging grass growing season and i think one of the things that's perhaps helped volumes recently or pushed volumes up is some of the autumn grass in october stroke early november was probably feeding like spring grass because that was probably the bulk of the grass we'd had on a lot of farms um and it allowed farmers to sort of, you know, buffer feed and turn the cows out up until very recently. So with, with, with you know, the prospect of costs going down, the other thing that's been mentioned is about cash cow prices and, and options that farmers have. Is that something that you think people will be considering if, if the price, you know, does does go down in the new year? I, I think we, farmers have been doing that all summer with the, you know, because like you said, the input costs went up far greater than, uh, or far quicker than the milk price did uh, for most. Um, and, uh, you know, farmers have been sort of, you know, cutting cow numbers, uh, either selling young stock or, 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 or cutting out cows earlier. And I think they'll, they will look at that again as, you know, and some will as, as forage stocks uh, tend to dwindle because they always tend to go down very quick once you get to Christmas. And, uh, and we've still got two or three months at, at least of, of housed uh, winter. 
and uh, it's frightening literally you walk around to the, to the silence bits and look what disappears every day and the other question i had is um a bit off topic but um there's been reports in the press today talking about some of the uh, milk alternative companies including oatly and um where they're residues go from from their production into into animal feed i was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that uh i mean you know it's it, if it creates an alter you know another feed source for for dairy cows or, or beef cattle then fine because um but but then it's the bit i think that they need to watch is that they use their sort of environmental credentials and when they start to attack dairy in particular and livestock farming but then we're complete in their circle to make them them look better. In effect, from an environmental point of view, um, I think they, be, they need to be very careful. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't tend to, as the NFU, to attack um, uh, the sort of the alternatives. I mean, you know, my view is competition is 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 fine, um, but they need to be honest. Uh, and you know, all we need to do really is look at the nutritional value of the dairy alternatives let alone, the, you know, the environmental footprint on a lot of them is considerably worse than dairy. And if you measured that on a nutrient basis, dairy is, 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 is unbeatable. Uh, you know, they can add calcium, they can add other minerals, whatever. Dairy already contains them and, and, and in a much more accessible form for, for the human body than, than a lot of the alternatives. So, yeah, honesty would be good. Uh, and, 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 you know, I suppose competition is, is uh, healthy. But, but we do need that honesty and, you know, within the Oatly business, you know, the, the residue going to uh, feed cattle or, or, or other livestock, you know, helps their environmental footprint, I'm sure. Yeah, I think there was some interesting research from AHDB a few weeks ago talking about how um, the price of milk is still, you know, the best value for money nutritionally, even with the price rises we've seen at, at retail levels for milk. Oh yeah, and we, you know, I mean, the vast majority of households do uh, do have dairy in the fridge. Without a doubt, it's it's way up in the high eighty percent, isn't it? And whilst consumers are coming under pressure, as as, as every household is, they may trade down, uh, but they may go from branded to own label or from organic to, to conventional or whatever it happens to be to help them sort of, you know, eke out the pounds and the pennies, but. I think dairy for most will still be a, a stable part of their of their sort of daily diet, um, but just uh, you know whether they reduce quantities or or change where they buy it from or what they buy, um, people will get through however they need to. But it is tough out there for consumers, without a doubt. Yeah, and hopefully it'll be still remaining at the heart of a lot of people's Christmases with cheese boards and cream on your Christmas pudding as well. Definitely. And as promised, here's a little more from Chris post the GDT auction on Tuesday. Okay, Chris, so we've had the results now of the GDT auction. Do you want to tell us what happened? Well, nothing much, really. Um, The overall index rose by a rather pathetic 0.6%, which is now the Nautnasumus, as they'll say in Farmer's Guardian country. Um, The big driver of what happens on the auction is whole milk powder. That went up by three dollars and it will make very little difference to the milk price um, because the commodities didn't move but currency has done so any gains on the auction has been undermined i think by changes in currency 
However, the most significant thing I think to come out of the auction is Fonterra have subsequently cut their milk price forecast for the season. So they haven't uh, updated that for a while. And they've inevitably dropped the price to um, between uh, $8.50 per kilogram of solids to $9.50 with a midpoint of $9, which will mean nothing to UK farmers, but that converts to around 36 pence a litre. And for the last few months, I've been saying that the auction has converted to between 35 and 38 pence. So no great surprise to me or any of my uh, people who've been listening or reading to what I've been saying. How does the auction and what's going on in New Zealand affect what um, farmers get over here? Because it affects the whole sentiment on the market. You know, the market is very sentiment driven, too sentiment driven sometimes, and it reflects a demand that's out there. So it does have a a link to what's happening on the market. But that link, um, that link is less when milk volumes are low and more when milk volumes are high. And of course, we've got high milk volumes uh, at the moment. So when we had very low milk volumes a few months back here, there was a premium on the UK market to the GDT, but that's eroding as our volumes have increased. That said, I do think the UK will maintain a premium over the commodities of uh, of a few pence a litre because our retail price of liquid milk has gone up so much. Thank you to Chris and to Michael for giving us their insights on the dairy markets. Now, the latest edition of Farmer's Guardian is also out today. And in this week's edition, we're taking a look at the DEFRA Secretary's comments at the CLA conference on the future of the ELM scheme. We've also got the latest in our series of Farming Without BPS. And in our global section, we're taking a trip to Australia to have a look at the prospects for their national flock. That's it for this week's episode of Over the Farm Gate. We'll be back with another episode next Friday. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. <laughs>